Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. Everybody have a good turkey day? How many here got enough to eat? Notice I didn't ask how many here had too much to eat. And no, I'm not preaching on gluttony or anything today. It's good to see everybody. I love the holidays. I love uh, Christmas time. I love Thanksgiving. I love the New Year. I love whatever holiday comes about. Uh, it's so good to be together as a church family. And uh, for those that are uh, listening online, thank you for uh, uh, being being a part of our family at a distance there. We appreciate that very, very much. Well, this thing called Christmas, we're starting a series called Christmasology, a little deeper look. And so, uh, you know, how did this whole thing of Christmas get started anyway? Well, back in the uh, 336, there was a Roman emperor named Constantine. And he was the first Christian one. He was a Christian Roman emperor. And uh, he, uh, he got this thing started celebrating Christmas on December 25th. And a little later there, the uh, uh, Pope Julius I officially declared that, that they were going to celebrate uh, uh, that particular day, although no one knows or, uh, what day it was, but picked out a day and said, that's the one we want to celebrate Christmas. Well, you would think that would be kind of a good thing, you know, hey, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. you think everybody would be behind that. And so uh, uh, it rocks along pretty good. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a little, in the 1600s, there's a little folks that are upset with it. So the Anglicans... Uh, didn't really want to celebrate it because they thought the Catholics invented it and they didn't want to do something the Catholics did. You know how us religious people are. If somebody else is doing it, we can't do it. We don't want to be like them, right? Why can't we all just get together? It's not that difficult, really. But anyway, they had some problems there. So the Puritans, they were against it. And so uh, uh, they, didn't, they, they didn't want to have Christmas celebrated at all. And so when the, one of the kings there of England, uh, he was far, and when he got thrown out of office, the Puritans took over and they banned Christmas. How would you like to be the church that banned Christmas? You know, they banned it. But when they did, protests followed. You know, we got the protests going on. Protests followed as pro-Christmas rioting broke out. In several cities and for weeks, Canterbury was controlled by the rioters who went around and decorated doorways with holly and shouted out royalist slogans. Well, good old King Charles II gets in the office in 1660 and he ends the band and they go back to celebrating Christmas. But now some of the Calvinists clergy didn't really like it so they kind of kept saying don't do it don't do it and and you would think now why all this about christmas well surely in america we wouldn't have that problem but in colonial america the pilgrims they agreed with the some of the protestants that said we don't want to celebrate it so the plymouth pilgrims Remember Thanksgiving? We just had that. The Plymouth Pilgrims, 
They decide they're working everybody on December 25th, and nobody's getting... Well, all the labor union people that were non-Puritans, they didn't like it. Look, you want to make some people mad, take away their holiday, right? And so, so they had a big uproar about it. By the way, we kind of get some of our stuff from several of those groups that, you know, there was... Matter of fact, I knew a lady one time within the church that she would not teach on Jesus' birth during December, it was so ingrained in her that that's wrong, you can't do that. Or whatever. And so it was just stuck in, you know, teaching anything else. I'm like, there's never a bad time to teach on the birth of Christ. I promise you. It's a good story. Anytime. But that really wasn't the start in the beginning of Christmas. Matter of fact, the reason we celebrate and the reason we talk about Christ, we usually get from... A little farther back in the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Let's do a, Let's look at this for a minute. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had, her, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The first service, I misread that and said quickly. Well, he probably wanted it quickly too, but anyway, quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill when the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But the story goes back further because he says this is a fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah. Here's the Isaiah passage. There's an old king named Ahaz, and he's an evil king, and he's an old Judah, and he's not really doing right, and Isaiah's giving him this prophecy. He's giving him a way out of deliverance and hope, but he doesn't take it. But in amongst that, he says this. Here now... You house of David, it's not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel. Then that word is used in another text in chapter 8, verse 10, where he says, devise your strategy. Build it, uh, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand For God is with us. You see, the message in Isaiah was a message of deliverance and of hope for a remnant of God's people. The message in in Matthew, when he writes Matthew, basically to a Jewish audience, says, here is a sign, here is a message of deliverance and hope for the world. And then, when Jesus, after being here in God in the flesh, gives his disciples that great message that says, Go, go, go everywhere, into every nation, making disciples. You teach them, you baptize them, and you keep on teaching them. And what does he say? And lo, I'll be with you always. There's always that need for us to know that God is with us. Look, some of you are going through some very tough times right now, and you've wondered if God is with you. He's with you, I promise. Some of us, some of us have dealt with depression or despair or even death. And yet God is with us. The nation knew God was with them. 
The, the, the disciples knew God was with them. They had the message. The church needs to understand God is with us. He's with us as a church. You see, when Jesus was born, God became flesh. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. In where? The beginning. Before the Word was ever created. The Christmas story goes before creation. God planned how He would save man from his sins through Jesus Christ. The story of the Gospel. God with us. In verse 14 of John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling or pitched His tent among us. Became one of us because He loved us. God is with us. And sometimes our emotions may, we, we think our, our emotions get the best of us and we feel far away from God. Unfortunately, we buy a lie from Satan that our emotions communicate where we are with God. That's a lie. You understand that, don't you? Because we can't always control those emotions and they lead us sometimes in a wrong way. You have to know by fact and by faith that God is with you today. Regardless of how you feel or how far you... Look, there is not distance between you and God. That is a lie that Satan loves for you to believe. When you're down and when you're in despair and when you're in difficulty, he would, the Satan would love for you to think that God doesn't care and He's not with you. I'm telling you, God is with you. Through your most difficult times, God is with you. Through your most gracious and great victory of time, God is with us. He's never not with us. Where do we get this idea we can hide from God? Remember old Adam? They're sin and there they are in the garden and so they go and hide. They can't really hide. God's with them. But God kind of goes along with them and he walks in the garden. And Adam, where are you? And oh, poor old Adam, you know, hey, he's there in all this shame. And he tells God, he does what men do. God, it's that woman. Right? He blames the woman. It's that woman you gave me. And then that woman does what? She blames the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. Where's Trent when I need him? I don't know why we think we can hide from God or would even want to. He's the one we need closest to us in our most desperate time. Because God with us means hope. Hope is a beautiful word. And people in our world around us are living hopeless lives because they haven't discovered who Jesus is yet. God with us. Emmanuel. You and I don't have a greater need than to know that God is with us. When when He's with us, that means forgiveness is with us. That means He can take away our shame. He can take away our guilt. He gives us another opportunity to live life. And even in the, in the midst of our mess-ups, He's with us. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. And as I walk in the light, as He is in the light, the blood keeps on cleansing me and taking care of me. God is with me all the time. 
I can't get away from God and I don't want to. The psalmist said, where can I go? If I go to the mountains, you're there. If I go to the deepest parts of the earth, you're there. And I'm grateful God is with us. Emmanuel. You see, we have that desire to have somebody with us at all times. I've sat at the edge of the bed when someone's dying and held their hand. I know the anxiousness of that with people. I've seen people respond to it with hope and confidence, and I've seen people scared because they and never really taught were taught the grace and assurance of God. I'll never forget being in the emergency room at the side of a, a brother just passed away. I'm with his wife. And of all things, she turns and goes, and she gets her grandkids, and she pulls them in. She says, come here, I want you all to learn something. You see, see Papa there? Look. He's in heaven. This isn't the end. But this is what we go through because we believe in God and what He's got in store. And she gave them a message of hope in the middle of her loss of her husband. I, I wasn't there for her. She was there for me. Wow. Wow. She understood God was with them. And you know, I take great comfort that no matter what happens, life or death, I'll never be alone. The best of friends sometimes run into problems and might forsake you. Maybe you've had a marriage and it's been really difficult. Maybe your mate forsook you. Maybe there's been difficulty in your time where family has put you off to the side. And regardless of those feelings, look, God is with you. Even the best of people can falter on being with you, but God will not falter. Moses needed a message when he's at the burning bush. He's going to deliver his people, right? Yet he said, God, I can't do this. God told him, I'll be with you. And then Joshua takes over leadership of the nation. Josh says, I don't know if I can handle it. God says, I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I'll be with you. And we need to understand that same message as God's people. No matter what we go through, don't buy the lie that Satan wants you to buy that says somehow or another God is not close to you. Your emotions do not dictate the distance of God. His presence is greater than your heart. I love the first John verse where he says, Even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Isn't that great? So the message in Isaiah and the message in Matthew and the message to us today through Emmanuel is the same. God is with us. It's a message of deliverance. It's a message of hope. It's a message of forgiveness. And I need all those, and I need to be reminded of those day in and day out. It's real easy to get discouraged in this old world, isn't it? 
And I just need to keep remembering. It's one thing I love about communion. It reminds me. God is with us. Emmanuel. God is with us. The very, the very last verse in your Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's how he ended the book. So today I want you to know if there's some hidden sin that's, that's really been getting in you, just you've really been battling that thing, I, look, God is with you. You can get rid of that. If there's been something that's really been holding you back from fully giving your heart to God, look, God is with you. No sense in hiding. He knows anyway. And get rid of those secrets and get freed up where you can live for God with all the joy He wants you to have. God is with us. We're going to have an invitation in a moment, and you'll have an opportunity. If you've never been baptized into Christ, you can come. We'll baptize you into Christ right now. Let there be light. I like that. If you have a need to, of a sin you just need to repent of, if you have a struggle you need to pray for, that's what our invitation is about. We're a forever family, and we have to help take care of one another. Because I don't know about you, But I wake up every day still facing some old sins and facing some old desires that I have to battle all the time. Anybody in there with me? Anybody like that? There's a few of you. Then there's some that are lying about it. Y'all need to go ahead and repent today. We're in it together. All to give God glory. Praise Him for the hope we have through the story of Jesus. And as the Christmas season is here, look. Take advantage that the world celebrates and, and create conversations with your friends and your neighbors about the real... Tell them, say, look, let me tell you where Christmas really came from. You ever looked at Isaiah? Take them back there. Start a conversation about Jesus and what he's done for us. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Emmanuel. Thank you, Father for this time of year that we can talk about the coming of Christ so that people can be ready when He comes again. Father, I'm excited that even the world celebrates or gives us opportunities to have more conversations about the one called Jesus. Help us, Father, to understand people need Jesus more than the next breath of fresh air. Help us to be good teachers. Help us, Father, to be good examples, to follow in his footsteps. Thank you, Father, for his birth, for his life, for his death, for his resurrection. And we look forward to the day When he comes again, what a Christmas day that'll be when Jesus comes again.
Father, today, thank you for our opportunity to talk about him. Give us boldness to share wherever we go. In his name we pray and the church says, Amen. Amen. If you have a reason to respond today, you can do so. While together we stand and we sing.